Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane. So shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Ooh, yeah! Woo! Heck yeah, baby! Gives to Sproles, angling left, has got room, it. 15, 10, 5, 15. jackpot, he got it, he got it, he got it. The play should have been ruled a fumble. Ha ha Touchdown Antonio Gates. 112 career touchdown catches, that's the most by an NFL tight end all time. I would have hoped that if people would have figured it out, I'd just like to play football. This is Score More with Garrett Sister. Hey guys, hey girls, welcome to another edition of the Score More Podcast. I am Garrett Sisti. Go follow at Score More Pod on Twitter. And a lot of you are following there, and I appreciate that. And you're there, and you heard about the information I have on Drew Kayser. That's probably where you saw it, unless you saw it retweeted from my personal account. So I'm sure that's why a lot of you are here. You know, we are going to be previewing the upcoming matchup against the Oakland Raiders, who are 1-3. and three. Chargers are 2-2. Two and two. The game will be at home. We'll talk about some injury reports, talk about some matchups, but I know most of you are here to hear about Drew Kayser. So let's just stop goofing around and get into it. So the Chargers cut their former fifth-round pick, Drew Kayser, and a lot of people were concerned because on the surface it looks like, listen, there's a kicking problem. But you cut the wrong kicker. It's the field goal kicker, not the punter. Caleb Sturgis is the one who's missing two extra points on Sunday. Missed the field goal as well. Why cut Drew Kayser? Wrong position. And I get it. So I happen to know somebody close to the organization. Somebody who's inside that building. So if you've listened to the Lightning Round podcast, you know all about it. I've dropped nuggets here or there when I feel like it's 
important. And again, I'm not a guy who's looking to get a scoop or you know, looking to get into the rumor game or anything like that. That's not that's not it. It was just I was curious and I just asked the question because who knows what the hell's going on? And why would I ask about a punter? It feels like I should be asking like what the hell's going on with Forrest Lamp? Tell me the truth. But yet here I am asking about Drew Kayser, but whatever. So anyway, so basically what this person told me, because it could be a guy or girl, let's not be sexist. What they told me is going back to Drew Kayser's rookie year, the coaching staff had some concerns. Now during his rookie year, if you remember, Kayser was tough. He had some bumps and bruises throughout that season. He didn't play particularly well. But what stood out was Drew Kayser was kind of inconsistent, especially when the lights were bright. When the team needed Kayser to flip the field and kick a long ball and set the other team up with some bad field position, he didn't always deliver. You saw a lot of Shanks punts his first year. And then fast-forwarding to his second year, or I guess rewinding to last year, rewinding your current timeline, but fast-forwarding the timeline my story's taking place in, if you go back to 2017, Drew Kayser had a pretty impressive campaign. He was third in the league in average punt yards. He was fourth in the league in net punting average. He was top five. And everything else, he's pretty middle of the pack in terms of stats as well last year. But the problem arose again, and when the team really needed Kayser, it didn't seem like he always came through. He could still kick it. He was impressive for most of the season. But, you know, early in games when it didn't really matter, but late in games when it did, you didn't always get the greatest kick from Kayser. And then you move on to his other portion of special teams as the holder, and there were some issues. You probably remember the one dropped snap in Oakland, but the biggest issue was a timing issue. And... I didn't get names, but there were a few kickers. And, you know, the Chargers had a bunch of kickers last year, if you remember. A few kickers complained about the timing with Drew Kayser. Now, take that for what it's worth. I don't know what exactly, if it's, you know, the catch and put down or the spin of the ball when he puts it on the ground. There's not much to holding, but it is all about timing. Timing is a huge issue. So I can't confirm that Caleb Sturgis had the same issue, but during the offseason... The Chargers really wanted a kicking competition. They really wanted Shane Tripuka to step up and kind of light a fire under Kayser this season because though he was a good punter, there's now timing issues and there were some problems with delivering when it counted. So the Chargers wanted a competition, but they just didn't get it from Tripuka. So going into this year, it all starts. So already you can tell, you know, the coaching staff. Doesn't love the idea of Kayser, but he is their best option at the moment. And now, enter the 2018 season, the team thought Drew Kayser outkicked his coverage against the Chiefs when Tyreek Hill ran that ball back. Now, I don't believe that to be true. I don't think he outkicked his coverage. I think that was a bad decision to kick Tyreek Hill in the first place, but also, I thought that was a lot to do with the coverage unit more than it was Drew Kayser, because everything seemed fine. But... The coaching staff thinks that that was an issue. Then, the kind of final straw almost, well, not the final straw because he was cut a couple weeks later, but the block punt in the end zone against the Rams was when he was really in hot water. Drew Kayser took his full three steps, which you know you can't do 
and Lynn lit into him. You heard in the press conference Lynn talking about you just can't do that. You can't kick it like a normal punt when you're in the back of the end zone and the ball's at the goal line. And Lynn is absolutely right about that. You know it. I mean, it's it's standard. Every, every punter knows it, go, tracking back to, I mean, as soon as you start kicking the ball in football. So that's on Kayser. And then you put on top of outkicking your coverage against the Chiefs, making that boneheaded mistake against the Rams, and punting it like it's a regular punt. They say that's on him. Then on top of all that, he wasn't kicking well at all this year. He was bottom two in the league and kicking this year. So put in on all the problems that you have. You've got, you're afraid he's not going to deliver when it really counts for you. He made a mistake against Kansas City in their minds. He made the big mistake against the Rams. Now he's not even kicking good. And the kicker's missing kicks while he's holding. When Lynn said he would look at every aspect of the kicking game, he meant it. And that's what they did. They believe Caleb Sturgis is a good kicker. And so if there was a timing issue with Kayser last year with a few kickers, you'd assume that there's a timing issue again with Sturgis. At least this is what the team believes. And so they feel like picking up Donnie Jones would then recreate the chemistry that Caleb Sturgis had with Donnie Jones when he played for the Philadelphia Eagles. Donnie Jones was the punter. Caleb Sturgis was the kicker. And they were highly effective. So they want to recreate that chemistry. And Donnie Jones had retired after the Eagles won the Super Bowl and then unretired, and now he's back. And though Donnie Jones has said he's been kicking and he's been practicing and he's up to speed, that doesn't matter. Because say Donnie Jones hasn't played any football, hasn't been kicking. He's been on his couch watching Red Zone just like the rest of us. They're willing to sacrifice the yardage on punts which they don't think will be that much because Kayser was you know one of the worst in the league this year which by the way I think is a little skewed because it seems to me and I'm just going by memory I don't have any proof of this I don't have any statistics to back this up but it seems to me that at the beginning of the season Anthony Lynn was punting when they could be kicking 50 some odd yard field goals so rather than kicking the field goal and not trusting Sturgis they punted which means your average would go down because you're punting on a short field and you're trying to pin them within the 10. But either way, Drew Kayser has not been good this year. He even came up hobbled against the Rams. Maybe there's an injury issue too. I didn't get clarity on that at all. But when it comes down to it, you could say that Kayser was a scapegoat for Caleb Sturgis. But this was an ongoing issue with Drew Kayser. And to be honest, there was a pretty good chance that there would be a true competition at the punter spot going into 2019, if not cutting Kayser outright in the offseason. So rather than making the move later, why not take care of it earlier, get rid of your punter, and hopefully recreate that mood they had between Donnie Jones and Caleb Sturgis currently in the season. They need to get their kicking game fixed, and they think this could happen. So Donnie Jones, not a long-term option. He's 38. So who knows how long he can punt? Well, we haven't even seen him punt. Maybe he's great. Maybe they can sign him for a year or two. Who knows? But Donnie Jones was ready to retire. So that's coming sooner rather than later. So they're going to have to get a punter. And it was probably going to happen during this offseason. So they decided to make the move early. 
get rid of Kayser now rather than during the offseason or have a competition in camp. Bring in somebody that they know has succeeded with Caleb Sturgis as his holder. And apparently when they brought in these punters, it was Shane Tripuka and Donnie Jones. I was told there was another punter, but I, I don't know who that was. But anyway, so they brought in two, maybe three punters. Donnie Jones was clearly the best punter there, which shouldn't be a surprise because Shane Tripuka looked terrible in camp and in preseason. And you could tell there was something different about kicking. You could There was an obvious difference, and this was a quote, an obvious difference when kicking field goals. Now this is practice. This is a tryout. Who even knows? But they think there's something there. They think there's something to this because they saw a difference already when Caleb Sturgis's boy Donnie Jones was putting the ball down for him to kick field goals. So that is why the Chargers got rid of Drew Kayser. They don't think they could depend on him. He wasn't kicking good. He made two major mistakes, and that was the end of the rope. Caleb Sturgis missing kicks, they think it's all part of it. And if other kickers are complaining about timing and they weren't very good last year, all the kickers that the Chargers had to cycle through last year, if they were having problems, who knows? Maybe there is something to this. Do I agree with the move they made? I don't think so. There's no way to tell. But I think I understand it a little bit more only because there's a move they're going to make. And I've always complained that they hold on to players a little bit too long. So to cut Drew Kayser, who is still young, it seems like, you know, I the whole thing comes down to I don't want to have to worry about field goal kickers and punter tape in the offseason. That's what it really comes down to. I don't want to have to scout guys. I don't want to have to do any of that. I was happy that they picked up Caleb Sturgis because I didn't have to watch any kicker tape. And I don't want to watch punter and kicker tape. Am I going to have to watch long snapper tape too and holder tape? But what really bothers me about this whole thing is that I feel like Drew Kayser is getting a bad rap here as the holder. When the Chargers could pick 51 other guys on the active roster that can hold the kick, Drew Kayser doesn't have to be the holder. Anybody could be the holder. Usually it's a quarterback, even a backup quarterback. Geno can't hold the ball. I mean, he's probably never done it, but still, there's not another person on the roster that can hold down the ball for Caleb Sturgis if Drew Kayser isn't working. doesn't make any sense. And if that was the issue all along, why didn't they figure this out earlier? And why didn't they try other people out earlier? I don't understand any of that. So I get the issues with the punting. And Drew Kayser was very good last year, but if you look at his stats this year, he was not very good at all. Even though, I, like I mentioned earlier, I think that's a little skewed, but still, he hasn't been great. Even if you take away all the short punts he had to kick this year to pin teams within the 10, even if you take that away, he's still in the bottom half of the league. You can always get better. Maybe Donnie Jones is better. And then you bring in that championship pedigree, punter, and the only guy who can hold a football for Caleb Sturgis, apparently, because nobody else in this world, I guess, that can hold down the ball for Caleb Sturgis so that he can be accurate. Now, what does that say about Caleb Sturgis? A little picky. So anyway, that's what happened. That's why it happened. Agree with it or not, that's how the team feels. And I guess it shines a better light on the situation, and it makes sense to a certain degree. I don't think it's the right move, and it seems like there should have been moves made before this one instead of just outright cutting Drew Kayser, but here we are. Donnie Jones is the new punter for the Chargers. Caleb Sturgis better be damn near perfect or else there's going to be hell to pay because there's a lot of people who are very upset by this 
on Twitter. I mean, hell to pay as in like they're going to get backlash from the fans, not like physically harmed or anything. But people hated this move, and I understand it. It was ridiculous. You gave the guy two and a half seasons before you cut him. Not even two and a half. Two seasons and a quarter when he was so impressive last year. But the move was made. Donnie Jones is a veteran punter. I'm sure he'll be just fine. So I don't think we really need to worry about his punts. Also, you hope that the chemistry between Jones and Sturgis clicks and it fixes the Chargers kicking game. But I think we all fear that this is a move to kind of cover George Stewart, which is the Chargers special teams coordinator. Stewart's been Lynn's mentor. Lynn has talked about how much he loves George Stewart and why he wanted to bring him on. He's been a big part in his career. So there's a personal connection there between Coach Lynn and George Stewart. So on the surface, it seems like Coach Lynn is covering for George Stewart because special teams has been a problem since he got here, not just this year with a kicking game. It happened last year. The coverage units have been terrible, even though they were very good last week against 49ers. There's been a lot of issues. Punting's been an issue this year. Last year, Drew Kayser did good. But there's been problems across the board. You think that would correlate to the man running the special teams and Stewart, but that's not where they're going right now. And if you take into account that George Stewart hasn't coached special teams since 1999 before coming to the Chargers, Stewart just might be out of his element. But we don't know. Donnie Jones gets his chance. Caleb Sturgis gets his second chance. George Stewart gets another pass. So then, if the problems continue, there's no person to blame other than George Stewart. He's gotten every chance when he probably should have been let go last offseason. But this is it. It's the end of his rope, you hope, because George Stewart is the common denominator. So anyway, that's the story about Drew Kayser. Believe it or not, that's just how the Chargers feel. That's why they cut Drew Kayser. You could disagree with it, agree with it, but in their mind, they're using that rationale to cut Drew Kayser, bring on Donnie Jones. Hopefully it helps the punting game and the field kicking game. And we'll see going into 2019 what they're going to do at both positions. Maybe this is the fix and Sturgis is right back where he needs to be. And maybe Donnie Jones can play another year or two. Or they got to find another punter. That's all to be seen. So anyway, that's the story on Drew Kayser. So let's go ahead and get to the matchup this week against the Oakland Raiders. Chargers have them at home this week. And we'll start with the injury report. Of course, there's two names that are definitely out this week. It's Joey Bosa. Again, won't be back till after the bye, hopefully. And linebacker Kaiser White has been ruled out. He had a small procedure. He should be back soon, but won't be back for week five. Travis Benjamin, even though he was healthy for week four and played, he did not practice on Wednesday with a foot injury. Joe Barksdale still did not practice, out with a knee injury. And Russell Okung, it's going to be a game-time decision. Anthony Lynn already said he did not practice on Wednesday. He had a groin injury. So then we move on to the Raiders. And first thing we know is right tackle Donald Penn will not play week five. He got put on injured reserve. We'll talk about the offensive line coming up soon. So no Donald Penn. They're going to start a rookie at right tackle. We'll get into that. And then for the injury report for Wednesday, Marshawn Lynch and Kalecio Semele both did not participate. Neither did Carl Joseph. I think with Lynch and Osimile, it's just a veteran rest day. With Carl Joseph, who knows? We don't even know what they're doing with Carl Joseph, to be honest with them. They're playing him. They're not playing him. And then there's a lot of guys that were limited. 
The other tackle, the rookie Colton Miller was limited. The left tackle, Gabe Jackson, was limited with a pectoral injury. He's their guard. The impressive rookie Maurice Hurst, the defensive tackle, was limited with a shoulder injury. Their center, Rodney Hudson, limited with an ankle injury. And wide receiver Amari Cooper, also limited with a foot injury. We'll see with all these guys. Don't know who's playing or not playing. But what we do know, Donald Penn will not be playing. The Raiders are 1-3. and three. The Chargers are 2-2. Two and two. They are tied in second place with the Broncos behind the Chiefs, who are 4-0. The Raiders last in the division. So let's talk about some of these matchups on Sunday. And we'll start with offense. And Derek Carr had his best game of the season last week against the Browns. He hit eight different receivers for 437 yards in a shootout against the Browns. The Raiders won that game in overtime. And Amari Cooper and Jared Cook both had over 100 yards and a touchdown that game. We've seen Derek Carr lead the Raiders' offense for a few years now, so there isn't too many surprises there. And we know he's very good at throwing the long ball. And so far this year, he's off to his best start throwing 20-plus yards because he ranks second in adjusted completion percentage at 66.7% on deep passes this year. So he likes to stretch the field. And for the Chargers, they have got to find a way to get pressure and blitz Derek Carr. Now that probably sounds like a given, obviously. You want to pressure the quarterback. Defenses should always pressure the QB. But Derek Carr has the fifth worst passer rating versus the Blitz. Also, the Chargers have lost any time they blitz below the league average in a game this season. And last Sunday against the Niners, Chargers got the most QB pressures they have all year and the most since week 10 of last season. So, of course, Gus Bradley has to dial up more of that. Now, the Raiders' strength is their offensive line. They're good across the board. There are going to be some changes this Sunday. We'll get to that. But their strength is up the middle with guards Gabe Jackson and Kelechi Osimile. And, of course, their center, Rodney Hudson, who has been playing great so far this season. He's been he's always been good, whether he's with the Chiefs or the Raiders. We're going to see the Raiders run a lot of power plays behind those three and between the tackles on Sunday. We'll get to beast mode in a minute, but the biggest strength, of course, for the Raiders is the running game. Now, we talked about the guards and center. They are good from left to right, but there has been some changes. Hello, I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation, and I want to tell you about my new show, It Seemed Smart. It Seemed Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seemed smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain, or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission. Or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out. And if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart. Left side, they've got the 15th overall pick of the 2018 draft, Colton Miller, a left tackle. And Miller has been erratic to begin this year. He's been a better pass blocker than he has a run defender so far. But his pass protection has been shoddy outside of the Week 3 against the Dolphins. Miller gave up a sack and a QB hit and a few rush throws from Carr on Sunday versus the Browns. And with each week, you're seeing a lot more help from left guard Osimile to help Miller's side trying to kind of help lighten the load over there a little bit. So Colton Miller's still a work in progress. And listen, special shout-out to the Raiders for drafting that second-round tackle in front of the Chargers so Derwin James could fall to 17. So shout-out, Gruden. Appreciate you for it. And, of course, on the other side, on the right side, Oakland's got Donald Penn. Now, he went down in the third quarter on Sunday with a lower leg injury. He did not return. And this week, 
He was put on injured reserve. So in comes third-round pick North Carolina A&T tackle Brandon Parker. Parker did fine filling in for Penn. I didn't think he was that bad, but he did give up a really costly sack towards the end of that game. So looking forward to Sunday, the Raiders are going to be rolling out two rookie tackles, Colt Miller at left tackle, Brandon Parker at right tackle, and this is where the Chargers can attack. The interior defenders for the Chargers are going to have to occupy these guys in the middle because those interior offensive linemen are too good. And keeping them busy will be a priority. You don't want them helping like they kind of have on these tackles. Leave those two young tackles both on an island. Look out for Gus. Got to overload those edges. Overwhelm them a little bit on Sunday. It's probably going to be a big day for Derwin James again this week. But that's just like every week. Now I mentioned him earlier. Running back Marshawn Lynch, he scored a touchdown in the first three games this season, but hasn't rushed for over 100 yards until week four against the Browns. And coincidentally, he didn't punch it in for a score last week. Even so, Lynch is coming off his best game yet. Chargers going to need to have all hands on deck. Marshawn Lynch, even at this stage of his career, is the toughest running back to bring down to the ground. So all 11 players on defense are going to need to contribute to bringing Lynch down. I know that sounds cliche, but it is true when talking about Marshawn Lynch. They have to gang tackle, they have to swarm the ball, or else Marshawn Lynch is going to rip through this defense. And Marshawn's really the guy that makes this offense tick. With the way he ran angry on Sunday against the Browns, it opened up the passing game more, and it really made this team look a little bit more multidimensional in the first couple weeks. On the flip side, if you limit Lynch, like Rams, Broncos, and Dolphins did in the first three weeks, you leave it up to Derek Carr's arm to win them games. Lynch didn't rush for over 65 yards in the first three games. He had 130 on the ground on Sunday against the Browns. Now, the Chargers did a nice job containing some of these other running backs this year that aren't named Todd Gurley, obviously, so the run defense will need to hold up, rally the ball carrier this week with Marshawn Lynch coming to town. So, moving on to these receivers. The Raiders' best receiving weapons thus far have been Amari Cooper and, of course, their tight end, Jared Cook. Cooper's led the team in receiving two of the four weeks, getting over 100 yards twice. But when Amari Cooper's been down, he's been way down this year. He had nine yards receiving against the Rams on one catch and two catches for 17 yards against the Dolphins. So it's either 100 yards plus in two weeks or it's nine yards and 17 yards on the other two occasions. Now, last year, when the Chargers faced Amari Cooper, they matched Casey Hayward on him. And according to Jeff Ratcliffe, Last year, in week six, Casey Hayward shadowed Amari Cooper on 80% of his routes, and he had one catch on one target for seven yards. Then, in the last game of the year, week 17, Hayward shadowed Cooper for 75% of his routes, had one catch on four targets for 11 yards. That's a combined two catches for 18 yards in two games. He only had one catch per game in that matchup versus Casey Hayward. Look for Hayward to be matched up on Amari again this week. Now, tight end Jared Cook has had two games over 100 yards, too, and has been Derek Carr's favorite target through four weeks. He's been impressive, and it looks like his career has been revitalized under John Gruden. Cook is a killer in the middle of the field. The Chargers had actually covered well against tight ends in the first three weeks until they faced, of course, the San Francisco 49ers, where George Kittle pounded the Chargers for six catches, 125 yards, and a long touchdown run that nobody really wants to talk about. We don't have to get into the piss-poor angle a die took, on that touchdown. So this is going to be a matchup to watch. This is very interesting. Jerry Cook has looked very good. And when you look back on the tight ends the Chargers have had to face so far this year, week one with Travis Kelsey, who's a much more talented tight end, he only had one catch for six yards. In week two against the Bills, Charles Clay, who's pretty good too, only had two catches for 29 yards. Week three with the Rams, 
Tyler Higby went for 35 yards on two receptions. So a tight end hasn't had over 35 yards receiving until George Kittle comes to town. If Casey Hayward's going to be matched up on Amari Cooper and erases Amari like he did last year, Derek Carr's going to be going to that well with Jared Cook this week, and he's going to keep going back to it. So it's going to be up to these DBs and linebackers to contain Jared Cook, especially in the middle of the field. Watch him up the seam because he can stretch the field. We know Jordy Nelson is now with the Raiders. He is their wide receiver too. And he's kind of been kept in check for most of the year outside of his Week 3 performance where he exploded in Miami for 173 yards. Jordy has also scored a touchdown in the last two weeks. The Raiders are going to try to stretch the Chargers out deep with Amari Cooper, Jordy Nelson, some Jared Cook up the middle, and their wide receiver 3, Martavis Bryant. The Chargers did a good job of limiting splash plays last week, and they slowed down the 49ers' speed in Week 4. They will need to do the same on Sunday against the Raiders. Let's talk about the other side of the ball. This Raiders defense is giving up an average of 30 points per game this season. Oakland has surrendered a 100-plus yard rusher three out of the four weeks this year. So, on the D-line, it starts up the middle with the newly acquired defensive tackle Jonathan Hankins and their fifth-round pick, Maurice Hurst. And Hurst has looked so good. He's looked every bit of a first-round pick, just like everybody that watched his tape thought so. If it weren't for the health issue, this was a first-round player, and he had a very important sack fumble Sunday against the Browns. Moe Hurst has had two sacks this season, so he can provide some interior pressure. Look for some of those guards to help contain these interior defenders. Because the Raiders have Jonathan Hankins, who's a stout run defender, still looks the part even though he hadn't played any football in the offseason. Maurice Hurst looks like a steal, an absolute steal in the fifth round. He is a first-round talent, and he showed every bit of it. And P.J. Hall, who they also drafted this year, is a starter in name only. Hurst gets the majority of the work. Hall had an impressive preseason. You probably remember, you know, he had that crazy athletic testing numbers. And he had an impressive preseason, but he's only played in two games this year. Hasn't been particularly active. So while the defensive line has some names on it, they haven't been very good. They gave up 208 yards on 31 carries to the Browns with three rushing touchdowns. The Browns' rushing duo of Carlos Hyde and Nick Chubb went for 187 yards of the 208 and scored all three touchdowns. This is a game you mix a lot of Melvin Gordon and Austin Eckler on the ground this week. The Oakland Raider D is reeling right now. The Chargers can go after them on Sunday. Hurst looks good as a pass rusher, looks good as a run defender. Same with Jonathan Hankins, but everybody after that, there are some holes, and we're going to get to it. Staying with the guys on the line, and this may surprise you, but the Oakland Raiders' pass rush stinks, and I wonder why. In fact, Derwin James has 22 blitzes this year with three sacks, two hits, and four hurries. Those nine QB pressures would make him the number one pass rusher on the Oakland Raiders right now. That's just a testament how good Derwin James is and also how terrible the Raiders' pass rush is right now. Bruce Irvin is their best pass rusher, but without Khalil Mack, it's been all on him to generate pressure. And with the Chargers possibly running Sam Tevy and Trent Scott as the tackles on Sunday... They might have some problems with Irvin. Irvin's been pretty good this year, not as effective in the past, but with two inexperienced tackles on either side, Chargers going to have to help out on Sunday. Same on both sides of the ball. Young tackles on the ends for the Raiders and the Chargers, and they're going to try to overwhelm them. But even if you go back to the game last week against the Cleveland Browns, they don't have stars to tackle, and Baker Mayfield had all day to throw. So Rivers is going to have some time on Sunday. 
So then we move back to the linebackers, and the Raiders have the newly acquired 35-year-old linebacker Derek Johnson. That's a man Charger fans have seen before, all heard the name before. He's the ex-Chiefs longtime linebacker. And Charger fans' last memory of Johnson is probably when you remember Johnson being outran by Antonio Gates. Now, Derek got outsnapped by the Raiders' fifth-round pick Markel Lee, and Gruden said he's going to ride the hot hand between Johnson and Lee. So you're going to see a mix of Derek Johnson and Markel Lee, and when you see Derek Johnson on the field, he's an obvious man to target. The Chargers have done just that in the past. They did it last year. This linebacking group between Johnson, Lee, and Tahir Whitehead, this linebacking group struggles tackling. It's a big reason why Oakland gets gashed on the ground. Now in the secondary, they got Rashawn Melvin and Gary and Conley. They're the starting corners, each of recording an interception this season. Conley even had a pick six last week against the Browns. Melvin and Conley had been pretty good this year. They did a number on the Broncos receiver in week two. Man, they, they both looked good in that game. That was probably their best game to date. They both flash a lot. You can see the impressive traits, but they are susceptible to lapses in games. It's hit or miss with these guys, but there's a lot of positives between Rashawn Melvin and Gary and Conley this year. In the back end of the secondary, Raiders have Reggie Nelson, who's been much better this year than last year. He was kind of getting burnt last year, but impressive through four games, even recording an interception against Cleveland as well. The other safety is the ex-charger Marcus Gilchrist, who is just as bad as you remember. So there are a lot of areas on this Raiders defense to attack, and that's why they've given up 30-plus points a game. On special teams, another test for the Chargers. Dwayne Harris is the returner formerly of the Cowboys and Giants. Harris has the fifth most return yards in the NFL, and he recently won the AFC Special Teams Player of the Week this week. Harris had a big return in the fourth quarter against Cleveland to set up the Raiders' field goal late. And again, another dangerous returner. The Chargers coverage team was really good last week against 49ers. Let's hope they can do more of that on Sunday against the Raiders. And, much like the Chargers, the Raiders also have a kicker problem. They recently signed Matt McCrane as their new kicker, and on Sunday... He made three of his five attempts, but he did hit the game winner. So that's going to be interesting between Caleb Sturgis and Matt McCrane, who can miss less, I guess. Hopefully Donnie Jones helps out with Caleb Sturgis and he wins that battle. So let's talk about the results. The Raiders have been in every game they've played this year. They were always keeping it close. At one point, you know, the Rams pulled away, but for the other couple games, they've been really close and it's come down the wire. It took overtime to beat Cleveland last week. So the Chargers are going to have to finish off Oakland and not let them hang around. Because in games, they've been hanging around. And they just don't know how to close out games. So the Chargers are going to have to close it out. The Raiders are going to give them opportunities to win this game. And they're going to have to take them and run with them. So, Chargers are going to have to put a lot of pressure on Derek Carr. When he's under pressure, he forces some bad throws. They can attack the Raiders off the edge with these rookie tackles. The defense is going to have to have all hands on deck, bringing Marshawn Lynch to the ground. Jared Cook, obviously an interesting matchup on Sunday too. So on offense, there isn't a part of this defense they can't attack. But the run game should be there on Sunday. I'm 3-0 this year so far on predictions. And I say the Chargers win this game 27-20. They're going to keep it close. Raiders, Raiders hang around. They're going to hang around on Sunday too. It's going to be much closer than it should be. But they're going to finish it 27-20. Chargers win, and that's it. Episode 4. I appreciate you guys listening. Don't forget to go follow at ScoreMorePod, and let's just hope the Chargers score more on Sunday.
Hello, you're listening to Simone de Rochefort, one of the hosts of The Polygon Show. It's a show all about the video games that you'll never have time to play, brought to you by four friends who are just as passionate about food, soft drinks, and TV shows as we are about video games. Every Friday, we bring you a new hour of personal stories, like how we found the best way to play Yakuza 0, or even what happens when you play so much Zelda that you hurt your hands and can't play games anymore. Above all, we just have a really good time talking about the games that we love. Check out the show on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcatcher. You can also find us at Polygon Show on Twitter and send a tweet to say hi. Thanks for listening. <laughs>